0: Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Ecuador Insider Podcast. I am Jesse Bayer, uh, joined today by a guest. Darnell is not joining us on today's show. Um, today is Friday, July 14th, 2017. I am here in our offices in Loja, Ecuador. Um, I'll introduce our guest momentarily, who's in the States, actually super excited to get him on the line. We've been trying to hook up for quite a while now. He is an expert in shipping and freight shipping. So we'll get to that momentarily. Once again, we are Abundant Living Ecuador. You can find us on our website at abecuador.com. From the States and Canada, you can reach us at 888-999-0948. Email is info at abecuador.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Again, psyched for this show. We're going to focus on shipping to Ecuador. Um, definitely a topic that people you know want to know about who are coming here. Um, it is kind of a pain to do, and we have you know an excellent, excellent expert uh, to help us understand a little bit more about that. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm glad we finally got a chance to uh, find a, a schedule that works for both of us.
1: My pleasure.
0: So um, again, uh, Stephen Aaron uh, is is a shipping uh, agent, or he runs a company. Uh, you can find his company on ifeonline.info and check out that freight company. Um, and Stephen has been shipping to Ecuador for five years. Um, has a really interesting life. I think Stephen, honestly, you will explain it better than I will. So why don't we just start there? Why don't you just give our listeners a little bit of background about, you know, who you are and uh, you know how you got to this point, and then we can kind of jump into some of the some of the specifics.
1: Sure. Um, I was actually born in Basra, Iraq, in um, 1948. Um, my parents moved to Kuwait when I was five years old, um, and I basically grew up in Kuwait. I was sent to British boarding schools from the age of seven um, until I was um, 18 when uh, my parents returned to Europe and um, I started work in London. Um, From there I decided I didn't really like uh, the British weather and um, I emigrated to Canada and um, then my company moved me to Belgium because I was a European. And I ended up actually moving across the Atlantic seven times, which is why I feel very passionate about helping people move now. Um, Having had some very good moving companies and some very bad moving companies, sometimes the company paying for it, sometimes me paying for it. Um, I feel there's a lot of, information I have that can help other people avoid all the pitfalls. Um,
0: yeah, and and you sort of, I mean, it's, I know from, you know, just knowing you a little bit, um, you know, you kind of, you've kind of gotten into this work really to help people as opposed to, you know, much of a money maker for you. I'm sure you make, you know, some money on it, but, you know, you've had, you've been sort of a high-flying executive and you're kind of doing this now more more so from the perspective of helping people you know, get their stuff places successfully. Is that accurate? Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I um, I used to run shipping companies. I got into the shipping business um, actually before the start of containers. Um, I uh, ran uh, the first container vessels across the North Atlantic. They were actually um, 350 20-foot containers. Uh, and then we grew up to um, 500 20-foot containers. Um, Mm -hmm. That was in the early 70s. I mean, nowadays, the ships are taking um, more than 20,000 containers. So
0: um, the business
1: has uh, grown quite a bit. But yes, I I spent my whole life uh, running shipping companies. And um, it's actually my wife, when we returned to the States in uh, the late 90s, she'd been having a good life traveling around with me. And um, not doing too much work, so her resume wasn't exactly up to finding a job mm-hmm. in the States. And um, she set up a freight company, and uh, it really started as a sort of sideline. But um, she was so good at it, it turned into a uh, worthwhile freight business to the point where she was able to give me a job. <laughs> um, but um, it, uh, it, as people who work with their wives or partners know. It, not an easy thing to spend basically twenty four seven with uh, somebody. Um, I, I can I
0: can attest to that from from personal and current experience. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it was um, joining my wife's business was a wake up for me because I had a couple of secretaries and um, didn't really use the computer and um, we got on fine once I realised and accepted. She was the boss, and I didn't have a secretary, and (laughs) um, I went from um, high-flying executive down to uh, Gopher doing everything for myself. Um,
0: (laughs) Wow, that must have been a challenge to accept that at this point in your career. Yeah, but fun.
1: You know, um, um, I went from knowing nothing about computers to having to fix everything on a computer, so um, I'm... um, Reasonably computer literate and uh, (laughs) as you gather from 1948 I'm actually past retirement age, but I really enjoy what I do. So I don't see any need to stop doing it until uh, My brain gives out and I can't um, do the work I need to do and start getting things (laughs) right now I really enjoy it
0: Well, that's excellent. I mean there's nothing better than enjoying what you do um it's funny I yeah I have you know I work here with uh, with my significant other as well which is always a challenge but it's funny too you bring up it's very interesting because I am you know I've also worked sort of I've worked at all levels you know in my life from from the bottom to the boss and it's funny I never really thought about that but it's very true when you're when you're not the boss you really get very good at a lot of things that you completely don't know anything about when you are the boss. <laughs>
1: Yeah. well, and you can do it all yourself and you don't have anybody else to worry about. When you're the boss, you're worrying about all the people that work for you and um,
0: all
1: the uh, shareholders and banks and everybody above you when you're just doing a job because it's a fun job to do. There's nobody you're reporting to or, um, you know, so it's a very relaxing time as well. Yeah.
0: And just out of curiosity before we jump into sort of some of the Ecuador specifics, um, when the freight companies that you ran prior to this, were that stuff that you, were those companies you started or was those companies that hired you sort of in an executive role to oversee them?
1: Um, no, I grew with the companies. I mean, containerization came out of nowhere, really. Um, uh, the very first company to run, uh, uh containers across the Atlantic was a company called Manchester Linus. Um, and they operated out of the Port of Manchester. Mm-hmm. And um, they were swallowed up by um, uh, other companies. And um, as they were swallowed up, I moved to another company where they were just starting with containers. So, no, I didn't start the companies. I just grew with them. I went from, um, you know, selling to uh, sales management, to general management, to uh, um, at the end, I was um, COO of uh, Europe for a one of the companies. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, it, it, um, it container shipping is is, uh, is a money business. Uh, the vessels cost um, well, sure. depending on the size, but you know they're they're twenty to thirty five thousand dollars a day, whether they're sitting or moving. So. Um, right. You know, these fleets of a hundred vessels, you can just imagine the, the money and investment you need to uh, own a shipping company. So.
0: Sure, sure. And, um, and now you guys focus, um, you were telling me off-air, uh, mostly on shipping airplanes, is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. Florida has a um, huge uh, second-hand uh, used aircraft market. Um, and actually aircraft is uh, America's number one export. Thanks to companies like Boeing and uh, um, Cessna and um, uh, a whole bunch more of American companies, but yes, yeah, so second-hand aircraft in Florida um, are being shipped all over the world, and um, we've grown by reputation. We started uh, very small, but now um, I would say we're the largest uh, company moving aircraft and. Um, People come to us when they've got specific problems on aircraft. Like I had Airbus come to me because they had a big plane stuck down in um, um, Asuncion, Paraguay, Mm -hmm. and uh, they couldn't find anybody to get it moving for them. It was too big for a container. Mm -hmm. Uh, So basically, um, I came up with a way to get it out of Paraguay on a barge down the river and um, (laughs) first to Europe and then to. Norfolk, Virginia, and then trucked across the state to Mobile where they wanted it. And, um, <laughs> so people people know our expertise on aircraft and come to us when they've got specific problems. But yes, we're shipping uh, three or four container loads a week of aircraft to different places in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, as far as, uh, obviously, you know, you've shipped all over the world for, you know, a lengthy career. So, you know, obviously you have amazing experience in this industry, but as far as Ecuador specifically, you mentioned that around five years ago, you started shipping to Ecuador. You know, let's obviously, you know, our listeners mostly are focused on Ecuador, although some of them certainly could be interested in other places. But, um, you know, let's sort of dive into some of the specifics there a little bit. Um, I'll sort of leave it in your hands as far as how you want to approach that. But certainly, I know the things that you know, people are interested in. And by the way, Stephen wrote a blog for us that you can find on our website. Um, excellent blog that really gets into the nitty gritty about shipping containers to Ecuador. I know the majority, Stephen, of your experience, I think, as well as from shipping from the States, although I think uh, at least to Ecuador, I mean. Um but I think you're aware of, obviously, how that works from other places as well, um, given given your background. Um, so let's just jump into a little bit. You know, people definitely would be interested in costs, obviously, um, some of the protocols, some of the pitfalls. Um, but I'll sort of leave it in your hands, you know, as to how you want to start.
1: Yeah, sure. Just just starting, though, we have shipped quite a few people from places like Taiwan and Europe and uh, uh, India um, and Interestingly, we ship people from Ecuador, not only back to the States, but we've shipped them to Mexico, uh, and we've talked to them about other places. So great. we've handled exports, you know, people wanting to leave Ecuador and go somewhere else. Uh, that's mm-hmm. something we handle as well. Um, yeah, I think where to start is uh, the big question to me always when people say I need a rate to Ecuador is what are you planning on shipping and when are you planning on shipping it? Um, The nice thing about Ecuador is you don't have to ship right away. Um, A lot of people get caught up in this thing once they have their visa and cedula. They need to ship. Um, Generally, when you move from A to B, the first thing you want to do is ship all your things with you. But Ecuador's very different because, to me, um, they have this fantastic deal that you can ship um, brand new items, um, so long as they're for your personal use. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also ship up to $35,000 worth of um, uh, items to start a small business. Mm -hmm. So I think if I was moving to Ecuador and my recommendation to people, is not to rush the ship, but to go to Ecuador uh, with what you carry on the plane with you, and then review what it is you really want to do there. Um, especially if you're buying a property and building a house, um, you know there's a lot of opportunity to take in things for the house. Um, yeah. I've shipped, you know, generators for um, houses, windmills, uh, uh, windows, doors. I, it's really down to doing your homework about why you want to ship and what you want to ship. And um, although it's a duty-free shipment, um, they do hit you up with a lot of charges and uh, fees when the container gets to Ecuador. So um, as a very round number from the United States into your destination in Ecuador, you're looking at around 10,000 bucks.
0: And that and that's door to door, correct?
1: That's door to door. And um, the other thing that always surprises people is um, a 20-foot container, which is 1,172 cubic feet, um, is only a few hundred bucks cheaper than a 40-foot container, um, what we call a high cube, which is uh, 2,669 cubic feet, more than double. Um, so, you know, from somewhere in the middle of America to, um, uh, say, Cuenca, you're looking at uh, maybe um, ten thousand for a twenty foot and ten thousand five hundred for a forty foot. It's literally a few hundred bucks difference between the two. So again, the emphasis to me is on shock till you drop and load up everything you can because you're allowed new items. Right. And um, you know, take your time doing it, and make sure you're buying everything you want to buy.
0: Yeah, and Steve- I mean,
1: Ecuador has beautiful things. So you know, things like doors. To me, I saw amazing busy- door, but, you know, everybody's taste is different. So sure. once you spent some time there and you're contemplating everything, you can decide what you want to buy and ship.
0: Sure. And Stephen, as I believe you explained to me before. Um, as long as you've been outside the country of Ecuador within the last six months, is that correct? You can, you can pick up your container even if it's a number of years after you've moved to the country. Is that accurate?
1: That, that's correct, yes. There's, a, there's this misconception, and, and a lot of the people who are in this business shipping to Ecuador are confused by it. But it is simply within six months of your the container must arrive within the last six months of your last entry into Ecuador, so Mm -hmm. um, literally if you crossed into Peru and came back, um, so long as it was for a long weekend, we had a couple of cases of that where the people weren't well enough to travel further, Mm -hmm. Um, that's stretching the law a little bit and I don't recommend it, I prefer that people go back to their country of origin, see their container loaded and then come back to Ecuador and then you've got six months to get the container in. Sure. So but you're actually allowed two containers if uh, you really want to do your shopping.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That's new for me. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Well, they've, they've got to arrive at the same time. So.
0: Okay. And, um, and, you know, we'll get into some of the pitfalls and some of the protocol. But just as far as, you know, some of these, some of these I just kind of want to set it up for people if, if somebody's thinking about, you know, do I ship a container or not? You know, the reason really, as I see it, to ship a container to Ecuador, and obviously I'm talking basically from an economic standpoint, just cost. Um, The reason to ship it um, is because of the import taxes in Ecuador. So if you can justify, you know, if you're shipping a high enough dollar amount that to replace that stuff in Ecuador would cost you more than what you're bringing in plus uh, your container fees, then it's worth it. And if not then it's not now obviously we can get into sentimental value and some people just want to bring their stuff and and they're willing to pay for it That's that's different, but just looking at it from a financial standpoint That's sort of how I see it and that's kind of interesting because some of the import taxes have gone down recently and so some stuff that, you are that you know, were before were like astronomical to buy here and really cheap to buy, you know, in a place like the U.S. are actually a little cheaper now. So that sort of ratio has changed a little bit recently. But is that sort of how you look at it as well? Or what do you sort of give it, what kind of advice do you give people as to whether or not to ship?
1: Yeah, so you, you hit on one, sentimental value. If it, it it's valuable to you or it's sentimentally valuable to you or you cannot get it, where you're going. Um, those are the only things you, in, you really should uh, take with you. Or, like you say, with Ecuador, if it's because you can take new things, um, if it's a worthwhile value to buy it somewhere where you are in your origin, and it's cheaper there than in Ecuador, that's the other reason. Um, but a lot of people moving, Um, I think shouldn't be paying 10,000 bucks to take things with them Um, and again that's why you want to go to Ecuador first settle in, decide if you're renting or buying and what you're doing with your life and then decide if you want to take uh, advantage of this duty-free import.
0: Yeah, no, I agree completely. And especially, I mean, also deciding if you're going to stay there or not. (laughs) Because, you know, a lot of people come to Ecuador or or anywhere else and they live there for a while and then realize it's not where they want to be. (laughs) So, um, you know, better to have not shipped, you know, all your stuff uh, to to wherever you're at, uh, you know, when you decide that. So,
1: yes, I've got one customer I've shipped four times now.
0: Right, there you go. Sure. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, just a very funny, like a very brief, you know, side note. I think a lot of people come to Ecuador kind of thinking, you know, it'll solve their problems. And then when their problems follow them, they say, you know, I'm going somewhere else. (laughs) So um, you get sort of some of that, some people kind of just transitioning in and out um, of here or anywhere else, I think that, you know, expats go to.
1: Yes. Well, a lot of people, like you say, they move for the wrong reasons. And again, I'm always amazed some of these people uh, that ask me to ship them. Uh, um, you know, they haven't even spent more than a couple of weeks in Ecuador before making the decision. And uh, uh, I think it's such a big decision, you need to spend the full six months there before you make that huge leap. Right. Um,
0: so basically it sounds in an ideal world for you as somebody who cares about people and is in this business and wants to see good outcomes, you know, if someone's going to hire you it's it's somebody who they they're sure about Ecuador, they um they they're bringing a lot of stuff, a lot of value, um you know, whether that's stuff to start a business or whether that's, you know, a house worth a house full of, you know, things or whether that's equipment that costs a lot and that would be very hard and very expensive to get here, but Somebody in that situation is kind of sounds like maybe your ideal candidate to help ship here. Is that is that correct? Is that accurate? Okay. So uh, we had a technical glitch there for a minute, Steven. Uh, we had the, uh, the line drop. So we're back together. I was just basically saying it sounds like the ideal sort of candidate to ship to Ecuador is someone who ha- has is sure they want to live here and has really a high value of things of things that they're bringing, whether that's to start a business or just to live. But you know, enough to justify the trip. Is that, is that sort of how you look at it?
1: Yes, no, very much so. And, and I try and discourage people that I don't see that, um, quality, um, mm-hmm. but they have, they have to know what they want to ship. It's not a regular move where you pack up your house and take everything with you, um, to your new destination. Sure. Uh, so, no, I. Um, the other thing, um, maybe talking out of turn a bit, is uh, you know the temperament of some of the people I move. Um, you know, it's a very different environment in Ecuador, and um, you know if you don't stay relaxed about the move, I I can almost uh, um, predict who's not going to last there very long because you know some people get very worked up. I mean, it's 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 a tense thing moving your life. Uh, to a different location, right? Um, but if you're moving to Ecuador, you need to be able to stay um, calm and relaxed. And um, it's such a nice place to go and be able to relax, and everybody around you is relaxed. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be moving there.
0: I am. Uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, that's something we talk about from time to time. I think I've we've even there may be a blog or two out there that we've written about that particular subject. And I would venture to guess that you're absolutely accurate in your statement that whether somebody gets super stressed out and upset during their move can predict whether they're going to stay in Ecuador or not. That would not surprise me at all if that was accurate. I've certainly seen as somebody who helps a lot of people, you know, who are coming to live here in one capacity or another, that really the success, I think, is hinged on basically two things, which is, are they willing to learn the language and integrate and are they going to get upset that things are different than, the, than what they're used to? And if the answer to those two things is that, like, people are fine with those differences and they're happy to, you know, sort of learn a new culture and new language, they're usually very happy here. And if they're not, they're usually not. And, and that, that's sort of as I've seen. It. And I would imagine that could certainly play out the same way in ter- as far as getting stressed during the shipping process, et cetera.
1: Yes. No, if there's stress during the shipping process and especially the uh, custom clearance in Gaia Kiel, which is not an easy thing to go through, um, you are not going to be able to survive. It, it, yeah. you, you've got to be able to relax and enjoy life and um, take it one day at a time and um, things move slower. Um, but you know, that's what you're going for in ecuador is to go slower and uh, enjoy your life i think
0: exactly okay so then let's so so okay so i'm you know i'm i'm a customer and i'm ready i'm sure about ecuador i've got my place i'm set up i've done all my shopping I'm, I'm all ready i want to do the container i'm somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 grand i assume that's a little cheaper if you're say close to florida and a little more expensive if you're say in montana is that accurate
1: yeah, since a lot of people we move uh, out of Texas, and Texas is probably seven to eight thousand, depending on where you are in Texas, to most places in Ecuador. So
0: okay, and are you shipping? Do where does where do things leave from usually? Is it the West Coast or the East Coast?
1: Uh, we ship from just about every state and just about every port in in. Uh, okay, America. so
0: it doesn't matter, and and. Um, yeah. Okay, and so, the, so, the, so Texas, though, is cheaper, and that's why? That's because you can get to a port faster, or how does that work?
1: Yes, Houston Houston uh, is a major port for um, mm-hmm. shipping to South America. Houston and Miami are the two main ports for South America. Um, I didn't include Los Angeles, but Los Angeles is, uh, um, I tell people, don't ship through that port, even if they're somewhere like, uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. um, you're better off bringing the container down to Houston or even up to Oakland than you are, uh, taking it to LA.
0: Okay. Uh, and, um, LA's, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead.
1: Sorry. No, LA is a rip off because, um, they stop all the export containers. Um, they have third party warehouses and, uh, they will charge to, uh, Inspect a container, roughly three thousand dollars. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. So, um, and they inspect a lot of containers. Um, they're opening more and more of these third-party warehouses, and of course, that means customs can inspect more containers. Yeah. The excuse they give is they're looking for the money going back to the drugs, but you know, quite frankly, ports like Houston would be the same, but they're not doing those kinds of inspections.
0: Yeah. With, with, without without venturing into politics too deeply, California's got a lot of those kinds of problems. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Um, okay, so 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 I'm all I'm ready to go, um, and then you're I'm, I've hired you, and you're gonna walk help me through the process. Tell me how that goes. What am I doing? How does it work? What's the timeframes? Obviously, costs we've talked about. Give give me a sense of that process. Yeah. Well, the first
1: thing I explain to people is they've got to do their own packing. Mm -hmm. Um, You can hire professional movers to do the packing, but the detail that Ecuador requires is such that um, you're paying the professional packers by the hour. And uh, they're just, first of all, they're not used to doing the kind of detail required by Ecuador. But even if you can train them to list everything in the carton they're loading, um, it's a time thing, so you're paying a lot of money to have professional people list everything out for you. Um, so, I recommend that people at least pack all the small stuff themselves. Um, when you get into the big items like the furniture and, um, uh, you know, the beds and appliances, then having uh, professionals pad wrap them for you is, is okay, but um, even that. You can save yourself a lot of money doing it yourself because it's uh, it's not that difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do recommend people get labour to load the container uh, because that's literally backbreaking work and that does require some uh, organisation in terms of making sure things are packed so that they don't uh, get damaged. Again, there's a a misconception that, uh, you know, there's a special way to pack a container and only professionals can do it. Uh, It's really common sense. Uh, You know, heavy things on the bottom, light things on the top. Mm -hmm. uh, Don't have things that poke into other things that uh, are likely to break.
0: Uh,
1: We had a television arrive recently that was packed by professionals something had gone right through the uh, screen. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's really just poor uh, packing. Mm-hmm. There's no reason. I mean, people assume that the container's going to be thrown around on the high seas. In fact, moving to Ecuador, you're, you're basically on a coastal voyage. You're going down the coast and, um, uh, at worst, through the Panama Canal if you're coming from the east coast of the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and then down the coast of uh, South America. So you're not crossing any major oceans, so the containers are not thrown all over the place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The uh, uh, biggest mistake uh, people make packing cartons and packing containers is packing things too tight. It's actually the, the friction um, of things rubbing against each other and pushing against each other that uh, causes the breakage, mm. not banging into each other. So.
0: Interesting. And um, and Ecuador, is pre- you were mentioning that's very specific, the way you need to pack in Ecuador. And that involves like a packing list, basically, correct? of like a, But a very detailed one? Is that ex- yeah, so explaining? I
1: give people a sample packing list. But yeah, basically you can't say a carton of cutlery. You have to say six knives, six forks, six spoons. And you have to put a value for each knife, fork, and spoon. A total for all the mm-hmm. knives, forks and spoons. And then a total for the cart. So
0: okay. Oh and,
1: wow! Uh, you indicate whether it's new or used.
0: Okay, and then um, if you don't, if you do that wrong, you get hu- the risk is you get held up in customs. Basically, correct?
1: Yes, they will make you do another inspection. You get the opportunity They, it, I've, I've had that happen where people have uh, ignored it and not done it correctly. And uh, in Gaiakeel, they open up every single carton or ninety-nine percent of them, um, and they check but you have everything listed. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started doing it, um, uh, you know, five years ago, they would confiscate things you haven't listed. Now they make you redo your list. Mm-hmm. So basically you have everything unloaded and you list it all out and then they put it all back in the container and then you go back for another inspection, uh, a week later.
0: And, and, and that while can, all that mm-hmm. is going
1: on, it's costing you a hundred bucks a day for the container to sit, so.
0: So you don't want to mess that up. How many days do you have before you start getting charged at the port? The, the
1: different lines uh, have different uh, days, but generally it's around eight to ten days most of the carriers give you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you use every single one of those days by the time you've done all the paperwork. Um, when the vessel arrives in Guyakiel, you submit... All your paperwork uh, notarized to mm-hmm. uh, customs, and you request a inspection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they will generally give you an inspection uh, three or four days later.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then after the physical inspection, they do a um, paperwork inspection, it goes to another person in an office. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the physical inspection, they've taken pictures of every cart and They've opened up, so the person in the office oh the pictures and looks at the list. Goes through it all again, um, and then after that second inspection, and customs releases it, then you go through all the port releases, which again um, take several days. So uh, it's a very, it's, as I said earlier, it, you know, it's a very uh, difficult experience going through uh, the clearance in Guayaquil.
0: And is um, if if someone hires you, how does that work? Is Do you have like an agent that's helping with that in Guayaquil or is the client there working on that or how does that work?
1: Yes, yeah, so I have a lovely lady, she's actually an American who's married to an Ecuadorian but uh, we laugh because she's more like an Ecuadorian than an American nowadays. So <laughs> She, she forgot, fourth, it was 4th of July this year, she sent me an email with questions and um, <laughs> went back and said it's the 4th. Um, that, that, that happened
0: to me this year as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but, um, so, but it, it, it really works because she's an American so she does understand the culture and uh, everything and what we're trying to do and she mm-hmm. obviously... Knows Ecuador very well and uh, knows the customs guys really well and knows the good ones that can laugh and the ones that aren't so uh, into being humorous and um, sure. she, she's very good. But yes, you need somebody, uh, I'm you know, I'm not just promoting my company. And it's very important that you are um, whoever ships you. You've got to be comfortable with the person that's going to take you through the process in Guayaquil mm-hmm. So I would recommend, you know, that. Um, people interview um, the representative of whoever they're deciding to ship with and make sure they're comfortable that person is somebody they want beside them as they go through this schooling process.
0: And what, um, in your experience, what percentage of the time, ballpark, can you get that sh- container through customs in the allotted time before that $100 daily charge? Is that 50-50? Is that 80? What, 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 what kind of percentage would you put on that?
1: Um, It used to be very uh, seldom you'd go over the free time. Um, What's happened is is people have taken advantage of the the rules and and, uh, customs are much more leery now about uh, what you're bringing in and and if you're bringing it in for yourself or somebody else. and again, with diverting a little, I would recommend you lose friends rather than bring things in for people. Because mm-hmm. when you're standing in Dieppe and they open up a box and you don't know exactly what it is, that's a huge um, black mark in terms of you know the customs. They're not stupid. They mm-hmm. they they've done it for years and they know what what's what. And um, so nowadays it's. Really rare to actually do it within the free time. You've got to, it. It's got to be one of those perfect storms. You've got to have a perfect list. Or you've got to have a nice customs person, and um, you'll usually run over one or two days, uh, depending on uh, the vessels. Usually get in on a Sunday, so you can't submit your paperwork till the Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll probably get your physical inspection by. Thursday or Friday, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't even give that till the following Monday. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, um, you're doomed for getting it out in time, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, looking at the $10,000 bill, I, I, you know, it's, it, it's part of what you're going to expect. Okay. You shouldn't be down to your last couple of hundred bucks, but yeah, it, it can easily run another couple of hundred bucks, um, uh, in the process.
0: Okay. And you mentioned the inspection. So the cl- the person who's receiving the container, they're actually physically present for the inspection. Yeah.
1: You, you don't have to go. Um, you can give the person uh, representing you a power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, I insist people go. I mm-hmm. think it's very silly not to go. Um, firstly, because you can be there to explain exactly what you're bringing in and why you're bringing it in and... and uh, Demonstrated is for your personal use. Right. Uh, and then, um, sadly, there's a lot of um, pilferage. If you're not there watching everything come out and go back in again, mm-hmm. some of it doesn't go back in again. Sure. Uh, the person representing you is only one pair of eyes, and there's half a dozen people moving stuff in and out. So you have to be very alert and make sure everything goes back in.
0: Yeah, just, you know, editorial comment. <laughs> um, you know, that. I think bureaucracy anywhere in the world sucks. It's certainly true here in Ecuador. And Aluana, which is like the the customs, um, they're known here by everyone to be like the worst. <laughs> so, um, you know, certainly uh, I can imagine that being quite a hassle getting, you know, I deal with the bureaucracy here all the time. It's a hassle in general. It gets a little worse every year as they come up with new rules and new laws <laughs> and new uh, procedures. And, you know, Aluana has the reputation of being maybe the worst of them all. So, um, I can certainly, you know, I haven't dealt with a shipping container personally. I've just recommended clients to you and so forth. But um, I can certainly imagine that being quite a, quite a trail of paperwork and, and red tape. And a lot, you know, a lot of times, I don't know what your experience has been with this, a lot of times in Ecuador, and it's not, it's not as common as it is in some other places, in general here, Like, in general, if you're making a list of the worst bureaucracies to the best bureaucracies in the world, this actually wouldn't be that bad here. But um, that being said, you know, people will take bribes generally. Do you get people in um, customs giving you a hard time because they want money specifically? Have you come across that?
1: Yes. No, it's bad news. I mean, some people um, uh, were joking. uh, One of my... uh, a competitor, I guess, mm-hmm. um, regularly was paying bribes, and of course, when you're doing that, the price goes up and up. Sure. Uh, I had a situation last week. I mean, it's gone from hundreds of dollars to um, this, this one customs officer wanted two and a half thousand dollars to turn a blind eye to a mistake. Oh wow! Uh, and then when she consulted her supervisor, uh, it went up to three thousand. Oh wow! Uh, and um, I told the person to refuse and, and uh, obviously there's a concern that once you refuse to pay they're going to do things to hold you up right but, um that container did get out without paying anybody any money I I tell people um I've had people pay um without calling me first um, and they still don't get their container out yeah um you know paying money in Ecuador uh is not the way forward. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't help. Um, you may think it helps you, um, you know, if you pay a bribe and it actually gets something done, but it, it, it's a very slippery slope and, and it, uh, I, I really feel strongly, I mean, in this country and, and me even suggesting to somebody they should pay a bribe is, is um, for, for me, I'd lose my license. Um, but um, yeah, There's no need to pay a bribe. If your packing list is good and you are polite and friendly, um, there is no reason why you can't get through the process. Um, I actually got caught smuggling. um, I didn't smuggle. I was asked uh, when I came to Ecuador, I was asked if I could bring this car part with me, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, not knowing. And I I checked the customs site. I didn't see anything about car parts being Mm -hmm. uh, not allowed. But anyway, we get to the airport and go through that uh, x-ray machine and um, the next thing I know is I'm hauled off to one side and they're going through my case Mm -hmm. all out this auto pass and you know the discussion started Uh, you know they said this is not allowed and I said gee I looked on your site I couldn't find it and we stayed very friendly and and um it took um, an hour and a half, but at the end of the hour and a half, um, they let me keep the um, auto part, and I went on my way. Yep. I think you know if if you're polite and persuasive and keep smiling, um, that's a much better way forward than um, offering money.
0: Yes, and not you know I'll just piggyback on that. That's just how everything works here. Um, if you're polite, I mean it's a different culture. Like you're not people in Ecuador you know, you're not really allowed to raise your voice and get upset here. Um, And so that's really an offense. So if you get some foreigner who gets upset and starts, you know, kind of getting out of line, like, you know, that's not going to end well. Um, But yeah, definitely being polite um, and be making making friends as far as just, you know, chatting um, goes a long way here. Um, I've had similar experiences with you know, situations like that where, you know, it can take a long time, but, you know, you maintain your cool and maintain your rapport with whoever you're dealing with and you end up okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, what are, um, and I, obviously people, you know, you can send people these lists. People can find them online. I have a copy, I think, of what you sent me. But what are some of the things that you can't bring um, specifically to Ecuador, maybe some of the more important ones?
1: Um, There's really... So long as it's for your personal use, it's, it's a really um, easy um, list. It's firearms, um, munitions, um, pornography. Um, a couple of the surprising ones are things like um, cosmetics, for some reason they yeah. um, uh, they don't like. Again, in limited quantities, it's not a problem. But on the list, it, it's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very strict on uh, clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're allowed 200 kilograms of clothes, and those have to be listed by the individual that owns them, have to be the size of that individual. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it goes back to, uh, in the early days, people bringing in uh, clothes for charity or friends or whatever. Um, But, you know, they really, they're very strict on clothes and, uh, of course, material to make clothes. You're limited to uh, five uh, meters of um, uh, material, mm-hmm. um, but the other way, it's amazing what they do allow if it's for your personal use. There's um, so just about anything goes. Um, uh, you know that, that I had one um, one couple who got in trouble because they had all their dress-up clothes. But um, 200 kilos is is really a very good allowance. Mm-hmm. Most most people do not have 200 kilos of clothes. And that includes, by the way, shoes, belts, hats, scarves, anything that goes on the body. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, so, I mean, I know specifically cars you can't bring, right? I think you might have told... Oh, to-
1: sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one you can't bring. Anything Anything with an engine and uh, wheels, um, you can't bring. We had uh, a lawnmower, a riding lawnmower that cannot come. Um, ATVs. Anything that has an engine and wheels that you can sit on. Mm-hmm. Not allowed. Um, returning Ecuadorians can bring them with a whole lot of restrictions on right. value and uh, engine size, but Gringos cannot bring them.
0: And um, like for example, um, Stephen, Steven, if I wanted to bring if I wanted to buy and bring, you know, a fifty thousand dollar three D printer, could I could I do that?
1: Yes you can. Great. But only once.
0: Right, right, I can't uh,
1: appliance, Appliances and, uh, like, um, TVs, they limit, um, again, we used to ship, like, five TVs in a container, and um, but they, again, worked out. These were for other people. Sure. Uh, you know, even North Americans don't need five TVs in their house, especially in an Ecuador house. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so now they limit it to uh, three TVs for a married couple and uh, two TVs for a single person. mm mm-hmm. um, and uh, you can get away with also having a laptop and a screen for your uh, computer, but uh, uh, it's something again they look at. They look at anything that is a large quantity or a high value. Your your printer mm-hmm. there, they would certainly look at the value and decide if you were just bringing it in for your personal use or maybe you're going to use it for a business. And if you're going to use it for a business, then they tax you.
0: Oh, they would. Okay, because it's over because yeah. it's over the thirty-five thousand.
1: Yeah, well, yes, and and it's over the 35,000 for the business. They, they absolutely I mean. zero in on anything of high value and anything of uh, large quantities. Um, you know, too many ceiling fans uh, was one uh, uh, hurdle we got to. You know, they, they look at, you know, how many ceiling fans can you possibly need in your own home? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, lights the same thing, how many light, you need to light up your house. So yeah. if you've got, you know, 60 LED lights on your list, um, that's going to be a problem when you get sky kill.
0: So, like, do you ever, I mean, is is there ever a situation where, you know, let's take the lights example. You know, let's say you've got 60 LED lights and they're giving you a hard time. Could you be there with, like, you know, the the approved Municipal, you know, the municipal approved like design plans for your house, and be like, look, sixty lights. <laughs> I mean, what yeah, is that sort of what you yeah. get into, like trying to prove that? Yeah. No, no, for real, this is for me, not for anyone else. You know, kind of thing.
1: Yes, you go along there with the, the plans of your house and show them where you're going to put the ceiling fans and where you're going to put the lights. And um, uh, we had a surprising um, one recently where they suddenly said um, sinks weren't allowed. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're arguing that one at the moment because um, the rule clearly says you can bring in anything for the bathroom.
0: Yep. Okay, and um, that's and that's currently what held up.
1: Yeah, well, they 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 taxed the thing. Ah. Uh, okay. They let them go, but they taxed them. I haven't even seen how much they taxed. It wasn't a huge amount of money, but there's a you know there's a principle right. in terms of um, you know bathroom items are allowed and the bathroom items so they shouldn't be wanting to tax them and the person didn't have a large quantity of them you know it was uh, obviously for the house they're building.
0: Yeah so do you find people just kind of making up rules as they go?
1: Well it's yeah it's it's every country in the world it's always down to the individual customs officer and and, you know you can enter this country and have a problem with an individual customs officer giving you a hard time on stuff but um, Yes, yeah, so I think there's. Well, again, it, a lot of it is this back to this uh, bribe issue. Um, you know, they they've been when they've given somebody a hard time, and then a few hundred bucks has been passed over. Um, I think some of the hard times they're now giving, like these sinks, I think was a precursor to um, asking for money. It certainly sure. didn't go in that direction. Sure. Um, you know, we just insisted the sinks were allowed and. Um, finally uh, said well then give us a tax bill and we'll argue it afterwards. Because, sure. uh, the last thing you need to do is hold up the container. at
0: a hundred
1: dollars a day.
0: Right.
1: But, but yeah, I, I think a lot of the, the stuff that's now happening is, is caused by these people that have been paying money.
0: Yep, understood. Um, okay, I think we've covered most of it. Anything else that uh, I, we've left out that you want to share with people uh, re- regarding the shipping specifically?
1: No, they, they can certainly, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, look at the blog. And, and um, as I said at the beginning, I'm happy to help people. So, um, you know, they can go on my website, and contact me, and um, I'm happy to answer the question.
0: Do you want to share with people your phone number or email now, Stephen?
1: Sure. My uh, email is saron at ifeonline.com. And my business phone number is 941-322-9464 and my cell phone, um, which I don't want calls late at night, 941-321-8744. And like I said, I'm always happy to um, answer questions if it helps people make the right decision.
0: Perfect. And it sounds like you've actually been here, huh? Have you spent some time in Ecuador?
1: Um, yeah, well, I had to come just because um, I'd shipped so many people down there. I had to see what it was all about. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've i moved so much in my life, I've said to people, I never want to move again. And um, I, um, I'm i very happy in Florida. But, yes, I was I was impressed with that store. I just had the one trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, didn't spend long enough there. I rented the a car in Gaia Keel and drove up uh, across the mountains up to Cotopolis. Paxi, and then uh-huh. um, along the mountains to Cuenca, and then um, back around. But um,
0: yeah.
1: no, I, I the thing that impressed me most about Ecuador was the people. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Spanish speaker, which would be another reason why I wouldn't move there. But um, uh-huh. I just found them incredibly friendly and incredibly helpful. Even though I didn't, and my wife didn't speak the language, uh-huh. uh, they took the effort to communicate. They drew pictures, made signs with their hands, whatever it took to communicate and be helpful. And, um, you know, that's that's a really nice thing when when the people in the country aren't sort of turning their back on you because they don't want to deal with this ignorant person who doesn't speak the language. Uh, It was, uh, they're so friendly and so helpful. Uh, If I was just looking at moving to Ecuador, that would be the factor that would push me to do
0: it. Yeah, no, I agree. People, the people here in general, all in all are great. I think that is one of the, one of the good things about here. Okay, Stephen, uh, we've actually gone almost an hour. Um, I really, really appreciate your time coming on. I know you've been extremely helpful for people out there who are going to listen to this and, um, you know, are thinking about Ecuador, thinking about a shipping container. Obviously they can contact you and get more information. So once again, I just, um, you know, very much appreciate the time and you coming on.
1: Good. No, thank you for having me, Jesse. It's
0: been my pleasure. Great. Enjoy your evening, Stephen.
1: And you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Okay. Thanks uh, for tuning in to episode, what did I say, 35, I think, <laughs> 35 of the Ecuador Insider Podcast. Once again, I'm Jesse Bayer uh, out of our offices in Loja, Ecuador. You can reach us on our toll-free line, 888-999-0948, um, website A as in apple, B as in boy, ecuador.com. And email is
1: info at com. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great day.